0: Let's pray together for a moment. Lord, thank you today as we come to these scriptures. We pray now, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord, and open this word to us. We are weak, Lord, but you are mighty and you are good. And Lord, my words, my words are nothing unless the power of Christ fills them. So come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us that we might be led to Jesus It is in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, throughout my life, I've had a number of teachers, mentors, coaches, professors. Some have been terrific, others, you know, eh, not so great. I suspect that is true for all of us, regardless of age. We probably have that common experience What I've noticed is that in these teachers, mentors, coaches, etc., they have all had a similar goal, regardless of what they were trying to teach. And I believe this is true for your teachers and mentors and coaches, etc. The goal, the goal for us, the goal for you and the goal for me, has been to get us to the point where we no longer need them. To get us to the point where they can release us. And whether they're helping us to master a subject or they're helping us to learn a particular school uh, skill, their goal is autonomy. They, they want us to become autonomous. They want us to gain enough knowledge so that we can set out on our own, so that we will be proficient and become less and less dependent upon them. Now, this is exactly the opposite of what Jesus does. In fact, he does completely upside down from that. He taught his disciples in the days that he was walking the earth, and he still teaches his disciples today that in order to be his followers, we must become dependent upon him. In fact, if we're unwilling to be dependent upon him, we cannot follow him. And that is the first lesson of discipleship. It's the lesson that Peter begins to learn on this day in our gospel. And I think we'll see it unfolding as we look at the text. We'll go there in just a moment. Let me bring you up to speed in case you're visiting or maybe you weren't here last week. We're going deep this year into the gospel of Luke. We have come through the part of this revelation of Jesus that Luke is unfolding for us. Jesus has identified himself through the words of Isaiah the prophet, spoken 700 years before, as the one who is uniquely anointed. That's messianic language. The one who has been endowed by the Holy Spirit to be the Messiah, to be the authority, to be the king. He has been anointed to bring good news to the poor, he has been sent to proclaim liberty for captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce the year of God's favor. He's come to bring a message of grace and salvation to all who will receive it. And he has begun to demonstrate that messianic authority. And we saw this last week. His word is having its way and they're all startled because he speaks with authority. And he's casting out demons with authority. And he's healing with authority. And that's what brings us to today's lesson in Luke 5, 1 through 11. If you want to take it out, we'll walk through it together, and I believe the Lord will unfold it to us. On one occasion, as the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, I'm just going to pause there for a minute, for a moment to locate this for you the lake of Gennesaret is the same as the Sea of Galilee. Just depending upon where you were from and the region you were speaking about, same place. He's very likely in Capernaum where we saw him last week because that was his home base for ministry. Uh, and so he's standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So here he is, he's teaching on the shore, right, at the water's edge, and the crowds are pressing in. They, they want to hear him, and they want to be near him. And, you know, crowds don't think real clearly. They're, they just want to get near Jesus. Can you just see him as he's standing there, and this whole horde of people is pressing in. I could just see Jesus backing up to the point. He's probably knee-deep in the water, right? Right? hoping the water's gonna defend him from these people who are coming near. But why are they pressing in? Why is it? It's because they want to hear the word of God. They've only been hearing the words of scribes their entire lives, who just cite other scribes, but have no real authority. They probably sounded a lot like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Some of you remember the Charlie Brown comic strip. Because what happens is when Jesus speaks and when he is speaking the word of God, when Jesus speaks, it has an effect upon his hearers for those who are willing to listen. When he speaks, it has a way of surfacing whatever it is that is in our hearts. And so you find yourself listening to his words and suddenly your hopes are beginning to emerge and your desires start to show up and the passions of your life start to unfold, and yes, your sin is exposed. And the places of your brokenness that you don't want anyone else to see are suddenly at the surface right there. Jesus has not come in order to destroy, but to bring life and to connect us to God, to reconnect us to God. And so as he's there preaching the word of God, they are moved deeply. And He gets into Peter's boat. The guys have been out fishing all night. They're done for the day. They're done for their shift. He asks Peter if he can push out just a little bit from the shore so he can finish teaching. That brings us to verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Jesus finishes the sermon. He says to Peter, hey, Pete, let's go fishing. Let's head out for a catch. Now, frankly, in my mind, this is the first miracle of this whole endeavor. Uh, It's happening right here And the reason is this. It's because I know, I'm not really a very good fisherman, but I know fishermen. The thing fishermen hate the most is getting skunked. And these guys got skunked, right? And commercial fishermen really hate getting skunked. Now, this this is more than just, hey, we were out for a nice morning in our boat up the creek or, you know, out on the marsh. We didn't catch any redfish today. This is more like being on Shem Creek when the shrimpers come in with nothing in their nets, right? They're not happy. They're they're not pleased. Their livelihood is on this. The bills don't get paid. People don't eat if they don't bring in fish. Peter and the guy's families, their livelihood is riding upon their success as fishermen. And here they are. They've been out all night. They're tired, They've been hauling heavy nets in and out of the water. They didn't have cranks to do it. They did it by hand. This is backbreaking work. They've cleaned all their nets. They're about to go home for the day to probably take a nap. And Jesus, who's a preacher, not a fisherman, he says, hey Pete, let's row back out. There's no motor. Let's row back out and let's put down the nets for a catch. And And I'm pretty sure, it's not in the text, but I'm pretty sure I know what Peter was thinking at that point. Peter's thinking, why didn't he get into John's boat? (laughs) I I mean, come on, right? The the Bible is a human book. It's a divine book, but it's written to humans. And the reason that we see the characters of the scripture not all prettied up is because they're just like us. They think like us. They act like us. They have the same kind of hopes and dreams and failures and shortcomings as us. And here's Peter, a professional fisherman. He knows it is the wrong time. This is the wrong bait. It's the wrong way. It won't work. Peter knows that what Jesus is asking him is ludicrous. This won't work. See, if you could catch fish in the morning, they would be out there catching fish in the morning. They're putting their nets up. And that's really what he says to Jesus. Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, catch it though, but at your word, but at your word, I will let down the notes, right? Jesus has been speaking the word of God and at your word, I will go and let down my nets. Later, the apostle Paul is going to tell us faith, which is what the spiritual life is all about. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith, however small it might be in Peter at this point, it's still faith, and the reason you know it is because he acts. Faith is always something that acts upon what we are believing, or what is going on, or what God is asking. I, 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 when, I, when I think of Peter there in this place, it It makes me think of the first Bible verse I ever memorized. Some of you probably have this, there's two of them actually uh, memorized, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It doesn't make sense fully to Peter's mind at this point. There's a million reasons why he shouldn't do what Jesus is asking him to do, And yet, his heart is beginning to trust. He's beginning to move into action. And that's always the first step in our dependency and in our discipleship. We begin to yield our lives to the Word of God. We begin to submit our lives to what Jesus is speaking to us, even when it doesn't fully make all the sense. And yet, we move out in action, a place of faith. And notice where Jesus asked Peter to go. I think this is really, really important. He asked him to go to the very place, to the very place where Peter had come up empty. So often that's where we learn our dependence on the Lord. He takes us to the places of our emptiness, the places of our failings, the places where we have let him or others down and he meets us there the places where our strength didn't quite work out, where our dreams didn't quite get fulfilled, and it's in that place that he shows us who he is. So they let down the nets, right? And what happens? We know they start to fill up. Can't you just see them filling up? See the, the line going taut and Peter starting, like the big eyes, like what in the world? As he's starting to pull and he's, he's calling the other guys to come, reminds me out of the scene at the end of the movie Jaws, where Richard Dreyfus turns and says, we're going to need a bigger boat, right? I mean, that's what's happening here. This is a big, it's not one big fish, it's a lot of fish. In fact, there's so many that he calls his partners out and it says the boats are about to sink. Friends, this is like a massive children's sermon, right? Children's sermon always have object lessons, right? It's something you look at, something you touch, something you see. What's the object lesson? There's this giant boat full of fish. Nope, not a boat full Two boatfuls of fish. I like what Charles Swindoll says. He says, Jesus taught the men that good intentions and earnest effort are not enough. Only the Lord can make an otherwise futile life productive. Only the Lord can make an otherwise futile life productive. And Jesus is going to keep teaching this lesson all through Luke. And it's all through the Gospels. You can find it in John fifteen five. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I remember actually stopping on that verse and thinking, now surely I can do something. I mean, I can tie my shoes. I can, and, and, but as you start to think about what he's talking about, you can do nothing of any lasting value, of any eternal value, certainly. You can do nothing that won't eventually end, either because it fails or you die or it breaks down, or you retire, or whatever, eventually it's going to end. And what is the effect of this? This giant object lesson right there at Peter's feet all around him, wiggling in the boat. I mean, can you just feel it? Like wiggling in the boat? The boat is moving, it's sinking, it's tipping. It's, look at verse 8. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish he had taken. Where does he fall? At the knees of Jesus. And what's down there in the bottom of the boat? A lot of fish. Peter's surrounded by fish. I mean, this is so, this is a really tangible Uh, scripture. This is a a really visceral kind of uh, activity that's happening in Peter's life. He's got fish wiggling all around him. And he's starting to see Jesus for who he is. He's starting to recognize Jesus as not just a, a teacher, not just an example, not just a prophet, not even just a miracle healer. He's starting to see Jesus as someone who is superhuman, who is divine. And here's what happens when you come into the presence of the divine. You see it in Peter, you heard it from Isaiah. Isaiah is there in the temple and he has this vision of the Lord. I think he's actually in some way in heaven itself, cross over the threshold into eternity, which is not far away at all. And the Lord is present and the train of his robe fills the temple and it's all glory. And the angels who cry day and night, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're covering their eyes because they can't stand the brilliance of the glory. And they're covering their feet and they're covering their mouths. And Isaiah is racked, and he falls down and he says, woe to me, I'm undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. That's what's happening to Peter. He's he's coming in contact with the king. And and the holiness, the presence, the, the, the presence of God, it always has this effect on us. It causes our unworthiness to surface it causes our unholiness to come up. Not because God is bad, but because that's what his very presence elicits. Because holiness and unholiness, they they can't actually stay together for long. Of course, in the case of Isaiah, the angel flies and touches his lip with a coal and says, your sins are atoned for. And here in this place, Jesus simply speaks a word. Takes an angel to go to the altar, to bring coal. Jesus just has to speak a word. And that's the power of the word of God. The word of God to do that which the word of God always does to elicit out of us healing and life and restoration. Friends, I can remember when I came to Christ in college and being on my knees, not the same experience as Peter's, not the same experience as Elijah's, but still on my knees before God. And and recognizing the insufficiency of my own life. Uh, Recognizing that that I, I said to him, Lord, I have nothing to give you. What can you give God? I have nothing to give you. But I do have my life. And so if you'll have me, I yield it to you now, fully and completely. And he took it. That's what's happening with Peter here in the boat. Jesus' response, verse 10, he says to Simon, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus has not come to destroy you. He has come to save you and to make you his own, to cleanse you and heal you and bring restoration, new life, and not just that like so that we get this when we die, so that we might enter into God's purpose for our lives now. That's why you exist. He has a purpose for you. He has a call for you. Verse 11, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, let's go back to the story for a minute. Let's get out of our theology and go back to these guys these are fishermen. What do fishermen like most? What do they have the biggest of they've ever had before? Fish. They have hit the jackpot. This is the catch of their lives. They have everything that they've ever wanted in their career, in their life. This is, as my wife said, this is like getting the Mega Millions Powerball ticket. You've hit the numbers. I know you weren't supposed to play that, but you snuck one ticket in anyway and you hit because you thought, I'll tie to the church. <laughs> Lord, if I win, I'll tie to the church, right? It's everything they've ever wanted. And what do they do? They walk away from it. They walk away from it. And why? It's because they're learning dependence. They're learning dependence. They understood what Jesus was teaching them in the midst of this whole thing, this massive haul of fish. He's teaching them this. With me, Jesus, with me, there is nothing you can't do. And without me, even the things you try will come to naught. So let's take this text that's speaking. I, I can see it speaking today. I can hear it. And let's allow it to be applied to our lives. Like, let's take the theology and allow it to move into the neighborhood, like where we live. I think there's a couple of applications there, there are certainly many but are you making space in your life for christ's word are, are you making space to allow his word the written word of god the scriptures and and not just reading them robotically but asking the spirit of god who is alive the spirit of jesus the holy spirit are you asking him to take the word of christ And apply it into your life. Are you making the space for it? Because my observation is, with so many Christians, sadly even at times in my own life, I'll come and I'll feast on Sunday. And I'll get a great message. I might even listen to a podcast or listen to the radio as I'm driving to work. But but that's like having a big meal on Sunday and not eating throughout the rest of the week or just having a nibble here and there. If you're not making space daily, mostly daily, right? For the word of Christ to have place within you, how is faith ever gonna grow? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. This is at the heart of discipleship and growth in maturity. Apart from this, your faith won't grow. Apart from this, you won't know what his call on your life is. Apart from this, How will you ever know him, and how will you ever be able to follow him? Faith comes by hearing. Are you making space for Christ's word in your life? Now, the second thing is this. Jesus often moves us from the place of our safety, the place of our security, the things that we know, the things that we're pretty sure of, pretty confident in, and he'll put us in a place where we have to learn to trust him. That is absolutely how dependence develops. He puts us in a place where we have to depend upon him. My question is, because if you're trying to follow him, if you have some sincerity in your heart, you're already experiencing this, when you get in those places where you don't know how it's gonna work out, you're not sure, this feels unsafe, it's a little risky, I think God's asking me too, are you digging in your heels? and folding your arms and going, why is God doing this to me? Or are you learning to be dependent, to ask him, Lord, what are you teaching me in this? What would you have me to see? How do you want me to release this into your good care? Lord, this feels so weird. I can't see how it's going to work out. I don't fully understand it, but I know you're in it. So despite the fact that You can't catch fish at that time. I'll let down my nets. Despite the fact that it doesn't fully make sense. At your word, I'll do it. I'll obey. I'll follow. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say. Last thing. Jesus reveals himself and his purposes to those who are, catch this. This is probably the big one. Who are willing to relinquish their security. And this is the one that's, that's a big one for us as Americans because we got a whole culture being built on be secure, be stable, be financially significant, all these things. And some of that stuff's fine. But we have a way of taking things, good things, and making them idols, ultimate things, in our lives. Think about this. We'll go back to the story for a minute. Everybody in the town knew what happened. Because when Jesus is there, people know. And these guys, Peter and James and John and probably Andrew, because Andrew and Peter were brothers and they fished together, they come in with the catch of a lifetime. Everybody buys their fish from these guys. Everybody knows them. Everybody sees these tons of fish, probably a couple of ton of fish coming ashore. But there's only three or maybe four guys that day Peter, James, John, probably Andrew, who actually believed and were converted and became disciples. Everyone else just saw fish and wanted a little piece of the pie. God is inviting you to learn dependence upon him. Jesus is unlike any other teacher because he wants you to learn to depend upon him in ever-increasing ways. But it will require willingness on your part to let go of whatever it is you find your security and apart from him, your identity, your significance. Or at least to allow him as he puts his finger on it and shows it to you to allow him to transform it in a way that he can use it and so that your life can then enter into into the purpose that he's called you to and a big part of that purpose is taking what you've been given as a follower of Jesus and just simply handing it on to somebody else that's discipleship That's not optional. But only three or four guys got it on that day. I pray we'll be a church of people who get it so that the world will be affected and Jesus will be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Peter. I love Peter, Lord, because he's like me. He's kind of a knucklehead, but one whom you love so dearly. Lord would you would you remove our sin and the things that keep us in a place of fear and would you speak that word of love of hope of life to our hearts would you stir faith in us Jesus and Lord as you teach us dependence would you give us courage would you give us courage Lord so that we might like them let down those nets for a catch and then be willing to walk away from the catch of a lifetime if it means we get you. Lord, in your name, for your sake we pray. Amen.